Bless the Lord. Pastor Forbes is part of our family. He's come so many times and delivered the Word of God every time. And even though Charles tries to wear him out, he can't do it. Come on, Charles. Give me an old yes, Lord. Amen. I told him he should patent that. But this morning, Pastor Forbes had an incredible word for first service. I know uh, he's going to deliver for us again here. And just let him know you appreciate him this morning as he comes, and let him know that you love him. Good morning, everybody. Um, thank you, Sister Kim. Uh, for keeping Pastor Rick so handsome <laughs> and young. And thank you, Pastor Rick, for keeping her so young and beautiful too. I'm here with my girlfriend. I travel with her around the world. It's my wife, Angela. Uh, it's like, uh, keep with his girlfriend. Um, thank you so much. And Charles and Yara. Charles and his girlfriend too. <laughs> Yara, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, Charles really gets us down and Yara fixes us up, so we're good. Thank you. So, uh, joy to be here again, and uh, we love this church. We feel we are a part of it. Pastor Rick is our pastor, and um, it's just a good thing. So, can we turn today to First Samuel chapter 14? It's a joke. He heard from the Lord. <laughs> All right. Um, how many of you love chess? Play any chess? Okay. I'm being told the other day that Gary Pasparov, you know who he is? The world champion. I was having dinner with a friend of his, and unfortunately for his friend, the tablecloth was a checked one. So it took him two hours to pass the salt across. <laughs> he was like, checkmate. Amen. And somebody once said, a lot of people are like a wheelbarrow. They're not good until you push them. And some are like canoes. They have to be paddled. And some are like kites. If you don't keep them on a string, they'll fly away. And some are like footballs. You can't tell which way they'll bounce next. And some are like balloons. You don't want to hear that full of wind and ready to blow up. <laughs> but some are like a good watch, open face, pure gold, quietly busy, and full of good works. And that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Okay, Second Kings chapter 3. For real. For real. Second Kings. Um, few verses, hopefully. We always have the opportunity to wish Sister Kim Happy Mother's Day. We are about the first to do it um, seven days ahead of time. Happy Mother's Day, ma'am. We love you. God bless you. And to the rest of you, Happy Mother's Day, Happy Grandmother's Day, Happy Wife's Day, Happy, 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 Happy Day. Second Kings chapter 3, verse 1. Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned 12 years 
In those 12 years, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother. Um, this, his father was King Ahab, mother was Jezebel. For he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. You remember Jeroboam, after Solomon died and the kingdom split in two, um, two good tribes went to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, and then the rest of the ten tribes went to Jeroboam, and he instituted his own worship and his priest, and he just got all bad. So when it says the sins of Jeroboam, um, that's what he did. He actually, Jeroboam made them intermarry with the Moabites and all that. It just confused the church of God. And verse 4. Now Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he regularly play, paid the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But it happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. He wouldn't pay anymore. So King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all of Israel. Then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And Jehoshaphat said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, and my horses as your horses. Then he asked and said, Which way shall we go up? Jehoshaphat answered, Let's go by the wilderness of Edom, the way of the wilderness of Edom. And so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah, and they picked up the king of Edom. And they marched on that roundabout route or route, seven days, a whole week. And there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called us three kings together to deliver us into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him or through him. So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And when Elisha saw them, Elisha said to King Jehoram, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said, No, for the Lord has called us these three kings together to deliver us into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely, surely, were it not that I respect or regard the presence of King Jehoshaphat of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician. If you have the old King James, it says a minstrel, a skilled musician, a harpist. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him and he said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches, for the Lord says, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water. 
so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink and be refreshed. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also you shall attack every fortified city, every choice city, and shall cut down every good tree, stop up every spring of water, ruin every good piece of land with stones. And so it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by the way of Edom and the land was filled with water. And well known, the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older, possibly 21 and above, were gathered and they stood at the border. Then they rose up early in the morning and the sun was shining on the water and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. Then they said, this is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now therefore Moab up to the spoil. Let's go. 24, so they came to the camp of Israel and when they came, Israel rose up and attacked them so that they fled before them. And they entered their land, killed the Moabites, destroyed the cities, each man threw a stone on every good piece of land, filled it, and they stopped up the springs of water, cut down all the trees, but they left the stones of Kar Haraseth intact. However, the slingers surrounded it, attacked it, took it. 26. When the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom. But they couldn't. 27. Then he took his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering on the wall. And there was a great indignation against Israel. And so they departed from him and returned to their land. Amen. That's your morning devotion. As King David took territory, conquered nations to establish what had been the promise of God to Israel, he came to a point when he attacked the Moabites, subdued them, conquered them, and Misha was the king who also happened to be a sheep breeder. And somehow, David either instructed or King Misha thought it fit to give regular offerings um, to David, maybe to pacify him, because when David moved, he moved. And so... A king who can give you 100,000 wool of lambs and 100,000 rams probably has half a million or more because every lamb came from two rams. One male, one female, by the way. And um, I'm not too sure whether the stocks were reducing but it so happened that King Ahab died. And when he died, Misha reneged on the deal. 
And he said, I'm not doing this anymore. We are taught these days that one of the best ways to grow in finances is to have multiple streams of income. Most times you are taught to have a regular, safe one, maybe like a job. You're paid every two weeks or in our case every month. And then you have these little things that come in once in a while, but they all add up. So you can buy your curved TV and you can go on a golf tournament or whatever. But when that stops, then you have a problem. Because it means the assumptions you made and the lifestyle you lived, you cannot make those assumptions and live that life again because the income is dry. So Jehoram went to war and basically said, we're going to keep this going. We've lived at a particular lifestyle. We can't come down. Misha, I'm going to come for you. And so he sent a message to King Jehoshaphat and says to him, you know, that crazy guy from Moab, he's gone against my father's deal. And you know, we fly business class all the time. We're not going to go economy because of him. I go by ferry. Will you come and fight with me? And Jehoshaphat said, sure, I am as you are. If it touches you, it touches me. My horses are your horses. My people are your people. Good Christian statement, but you need to be sure who you say that to. Because Jehoshaphat had no problem with King Misha. The problem was between King Misha and Jehoram. But he supported him as a brother. Probably expecting some love offering from that trip. And then Jehoram said, well, how should we organize this? He said, well, let's go by the way of Edom. Let's pick up um, the third king. So one king has a problem, but two other kings come to help him fight. Seven days into their journey, they run short of water. Water for the men and water for the cattle. They must have drained out the camels. So there's no water for anybody. And Jehoram thought, this must be God. He has brought us into this wilderness to destroy us. But Jehoshaphat was a stronger believer. And he said, no. In every situation, God has an answer. In every situation in our lives, God has a solution. Regardless whatever it is, there's an answer from the Lord. I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation that has overtaken you that is uncommon to man. That within the temptation, there is always a way of escape. So God has it worked out. The thing is we need to be able to find out what's the methodology for this particular battle. So Jehoshaphat thought and said, surely there's got to be a prophet of God around here. And so he asked, is there not a prophet of the Lord? Not of the world. A prophet of the Lord around here. Through whom we can inquire the mind of God in this situation. Because in the prophetic, you are supposed to hear from God. You know, the priest, in simple Bible teaching, we teach you that the priest represents the people to God. And the prophet represents God to the people. And the king rules. That's 101. And um, somebody heard and said, yeah, that's Elisha. 
Elisha the son of Shaphat. He's a prophet. He's really a prophet, yeah. Have you seen him do signs and wonders? No. Does he drive a Bentley? No. Does he fly a private jet? No. What makes him a prophet? He poured water on Elijah's hands. So he served. He served. Of course, he did miracles. He did twice the number of miracles Elijah did. But that was not his defining description. The description of his life was that he served. And we could be stretching this out this morning because there are many things that just ordinary, simple serving can elevate you in the things of the Spirit. And it's a joy to know that the outsiders, the unsaved people, the critics, the people who don't like us, can testify to our calling because we serve. He's a prophet because he serves. So let's go to him. And he's a prophet of the Lord. He hears from God. He has an integrity. The things he says are the things he hears from God. He doesn't go around speaking all the time. He doesn't have a website where he says, send me $25 and a self-addressed envelope and I'll give you a word. No. The Lord has sent me to your church to give you a word. He doesn't do that. That's a fraud. He doesn't do that. So let's go to him. I believe the same thing was spoken about Samuel when Saul and his um, armor bearer were looking for the father's donkeys and said, is there not a man of God in this city? Said there is one. When you go to him, you'll hear. Because ladies and gentlemen, scattered around the world, there are anointed men and women who have not adulterated the calling of God, who have not compromised the anointing, who are not frauds and who are not commercial people, and they are hiding in places by God so that they will not be corrupted, and you have to find them. The joy of all of you is that you have two sitting right in front of you every week. Because you can tell the impact of their ministry on your lives. So let's go to Elisha the prophet. So three kings go to Elisha the prophet. I'm sure Jehoram was at the back. He already knew what was going to happen. And so they go. Elisha opens the door and he sees him. And Elisha goes ballistic. What have you come here to do? I know you. I know what your daddy did. What your mother did. Jezebel. And he said, were it not that I had respect and regard, and I should add high regard, for Pastor Rick and Sister Kim, for King Jehoshaphat, I will not even look at you nor entertain you. I'm sure some of you are thinking, why will a prophet speak like that? Well, one, we are human. Two, we get upset. And three, we are not the first. And four, we shouldn't be the last. After all, Jesus himself got upset and he took a whip and went into the second service. <laughs> and he gave them good measure, pressed down, overturning the tables. So we have what we call holy anger. Anytime your pastor or his wife are upset with you, remember it's holy anger. 
But here is the thing. Because he was upset, whatever he could do in the spirit was temporarily suspended. And he understood that. He understood that. And you must also understand that. Because the blessing of God upon the lives of the people do not operate with a particular kind of spirit. I believe it's James. For the anger of man does not walk the righteousness of God. So we know that. And so he backs out after he has said that. And then he says, but bring me a minstrel. Can we all say that together? Go. But bring me a minstrel. Okay, let's say musician. Want to go? But bring me a musician. Now, this is a skilled musician. This is not somebody trying. This is somebody who knows his calling. In those days, it was either a harpist or somebody playing the lyre or something. But he knew. And a minstrel is an office. A minstrel is a calling. The, the, the wonderful gentleman playing the montage here. As great as the montage is about $4,000, the montage if you can receive it this morning from me, the montage is not the keyboard. Did he really say that? Yes. The montage is not the keyboard. The keyboard is the person who sits on it and from his spirit and from his relationship with the Lord, he transfers through his ten fingers the anointing into that instrument that becomes a blessing to you. So the trumpet is not the machine. Phil Driscoll is the trumpet. You understand? Satchmo was the trumpet. It is his relationship, his thinking, his wiring that he plays through and it brings a blessing to you or in the time of John the Baptist, it cuts off your head. So the minstrel understands that he or she can either break it for Elisha or make it for Elisha. By their understanding of the realms of God, what's going on. And I said in the first service that we need to understand if we're positioning and poised for the next level. The minstrel is not just the wonderful people that led us here, first service and the second service, and that's great. But everybody seated here is a minstrel because we are all called to worship because worship is the only virtue that we have that will transcend from time into eternity. As a matter of fact, in every time zone today, worship is going on. As a matter of fact, if you transcend the third dimension into the fourth dimension and you part the clouds, you'll find the 24 elders and the four living beasts crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord who was and who is and who is to come. So there is worship going on all the time. And when that worship goes on, something happens. Dramatic, unique, unprecedented. Bring me a minstrel, full gospel center. Bring me a musician. Bring me somebody who understands what it makes, what it does for God to be happy. And release answers that nobody could tell you. Nobody could even think about. And so the minstrel comes already prepared already prepared I repeat again already prepared knows the songs of the spirit 
in our church in worship back home, and we, 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 we are a worshiping church, we just love the Lord in worship. It's one of our strong points. We just go before the Lord. Before the Lord, it's like amazing. And I remember last year, April, I was in church. The Lord had given me a word about the theme for the year, and it was just a, an irregular sort of way the Lord was dealing with me. And I went to the service, and we were worshiping, and I heard in my spirit, you are the most high, the most high God, you are the most high. And I could tell as a worshiper that that was the next song to follow because the Lord was winding us into a place where he would be exalted and his blessing will come upon the church. Not so much the niceties of the songs, not so much the hit songs, but the asking heaven to extend heavenly jurisdiction on full gospel center so that the worship in heaven is the same worship right here at the same time. And it's possible. It happens. And it happens here. And so I'm standing and worshiping and I'm looking at the music director. He's on the keyboard. We have an S90 access and he's playing and I'm thinking, how am I going to get his attention? Because this is the next song. Who knows? Maybe somebody needs to be healed this morning. And I'm thinking out of his eyes, you know. The more I thought about it, the tighter his eyes were shut. And I thought, come on, this, this guy is not getting it. So I, I closed my eyes and I just worshipped. And I tell you, my hands were up. And I suddenly heard from the keyboard, you are the most high. You're... And I said, no way. And then I caught myself. I said, yes way. This is actually how he does it. And we have series of ministrations like that in our church on a weekly level. Why? Because the musician, the minstrel, is seeking what's happening. Can you imagine the pressure you all put us on? Pastor Rick comes here to preach. Pastor Mike comes here to preach. Sister Kim comes here to speak. How many of you have needs this morning? Let me just see. If you're being truthful, you have needs. Oh, yeah, all right, I have two hands up, one leg. You have needs, God. Now, you expect this one short, bow-legged, ball-headed guy from Africa to meet all those needs in 40 minutes? No. But there is an unction that can come and open an atmosphere where he spreads his wings over this church and he goes into your families, goes into your next week, goes into Mother's Day, goes into Father's Day, goes into the end of the year and tells you what is going to happen before CNN gets it. So he said, bring me a minstrel. And the minstrel came. He wasn't doing, Jesus loves me, this I know. He just came. Spirit break out. Break our walls down. Heaven come down. And you know, when we do that, you can tell that there's a shift. Can you all say a shift? There's always that shift you can tell. It's like it's gone beyond the ordinary. And something has just happened that says heaven has stamped a stamp of approval on what is happening. And it is in that atmosphere, it says when the musician was playing, that the hand of the Lord. What is the hand of the Lord? The seal of the Lord. The authority of the Lord. The presence of God. The confident assurance that God is in this situation now. Yes, it may have started with man telling you it's not possible and everybody told you this is not going to work and then you turned like Hezekiah to the wall and you spoke to God and he came into it. And in this situation, 
even though it started with an angry response. If I should just remove the angry response for a bit and teach you the principle that there is a ministry in worship that must happen for the hand of the Lord to take us to the next level. And that ministry in worship is not just left to Hillsong. It's left to you, to me, to those of us who sing in the bathroom and for those of you who make a joyful noise in the bathroom. All of us in tune, out of tune, you know, key flat, D flat, J major, B minor, anything you sing. Aren't you glad God is spirit? Have you ever had the opportunity of sitting next to somebody and you're wondering, what are they singing? And who are they actually singing this to? I mean, people sing in K-sharp major, which doesn't exist. But it's fine. God listens to everyone. That's why he's God. That's why he's God. Left to me, there'll be four people in this church. <laughs> but he's God. And so the atmosphere is created in worship in your bathroom. Ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you to tell you, this August I'll be 40 years old in the Lord. I'm 54, so I got saved 13, going to 14. I've spent more of my life as a Bible believer, born again than as a human being. Most of the messages I receive, I receive them in the bathroom. Sometimes I tell my wife, Angela, can, babes, can you write this down for me? Or I just keep it in my spirit and I'm in the towel and I'm writing. So if I live in your house, for example, and I go to the bathroom and I spend a long time, don't have any ideas. It's not Maalox. It's nothing like that. It's just me and the Holy Ghost having a great time. And I could come up with five messages. Why? Because I'm either worshiping or I'm playing worship. Because worship creates atmospheres. Here were kings, they were going to die. Not even because God wanted to kill them. They had already pronounced their own death. The Lord has brought us here to die. Only water. Only water. May I announce to you that you won't die if you fast? It's only water. Only water. People go without it. Bear grills. National Geographic. People can spend two, three, four days without it. You won't die. But they were at a situation. And the sad thing, Pastor, Kim, Pastor Rick, is that they would have died. And my worries would not have been for Jehoram because he called it upon himself. The worry would have been for the king of Edom and Jehoshaphat, who initially had no business in this problem. But they came on. But Jehoshaphat knew his God had an answer. So when the minstrel ministered, and got to a particular point. Recently, I've been teaching that. We were discussing it yesterday at dinner. Ladies and gentlemen, you can drink tea with hot water at a temperature we are centigrade. So let me say 80 Celsius, and you'll enjoy it. But water only boils at 100 degrees. Until it hits that 100 degree temperature, you won't see the steam. What am I saying? When you worship God for shifts in atmosphere, there are many things we can do, but there's something that has to happen for his hand to be stretched out. You got to hit that 100 degree mark. You got to hit that point where God says, mm-hmm, now I know Abraham. You got to hit that point where you tell them, fill the water pots so we can turn the water to wine. 
Any time before that, you have to tell Mary that my time has not yet come. It happens at a particular time. So the minstrel was worshiping. You are good, good father. Your presence is heaven to me. And it was climbing like the rungs of the ladder and going to a place where you can tell, like I can tell, we can all tell that the next thing is for the hand of God to be stretched. And when the hand of God is stretched, anything is possible as happened in the first service that I am sure will happen in this second service. Hear me out, ladies and gentlemen. When the hand of God came upon Elisha, he said, Thus saith the Lord. He couldn't say it before. Well, he could, but it would have been a lie. And all liars have their part in the lake of fire. So he didn't try that. He had to wait for the unction. There is a presence. There is an oil. There is an anointing. There is an unction. You know. As a believer, you feel it. As a worshiper, you know. As a pastor, we know. If you move in the prophetic, you know. If you move in signs and wonders, you know. You just know that you know that you know without empirical evidence. But because you have contacted God, you know he's here. That the presence has changed. The atmosphere has shifted. He said, thus said the Lord, fill this. No, dig ditches in the valley. I was like, excuse me? water. Dry valley. He said, dig plenty water canals. And watch. There will be no wind and there will be no rain. Did you read that in your Bible? So where's the water going to come from? My geography taught me about, um, you know, something from the ground goes through the leaves of the trees, goes up into the air, hits the ozone layer, comes down. That's what they taught me. Agreeably, I failed geography. I didn't like the teacher, so you know, I, I, I hit it with honors. An F. You know, thank God for GPS. And um, they stayed there. It's like, is that it? Dig ditches? Yeah, that's what the Lord said. I believe I've said it here before. I'm going to say it again. In your walk with the Lord, hear me clearly. You're going to find out, and I say this with the authority of the pastorate here. You're going to find out that there are many things that make spirit to you that will never make sense. And there are many things that make perfect sense that have no iota of spirit life in them. The choice is yours. Whether you want to follow spirit or sense. And so they obeyed and dug the valley and everybody went home. The next morning, as the prophecy had said, no rain, no wind, no dust, nothing that signifies the clouds are dark so it's going to rain. Nothing like that. Water, which normally should come from above, came from below the ground. And they must have said, wow, how come our geography teacher didn't know that? That's because there are realms of life. That is what gives us the edge over people. There are realms of life, ladies and gentlemen, that when you're seeing, tasting, hearing, touching, and smelling have all been functionally suspended, you can dream. You can dream. And you wake up in the morning, the same morning, a day after, three days later, exactly as you dreamt while you were snoring. Or if you are like me, maybe you, your leg was, you know, some of us move at night when we sleep. But functionally suspended, but there is a realm 
in which you operated. One of those realms was when the angel told Joseph, get up, Joe, take this boy and the mother to Egypt for two years. It's like, that's going backwards. Just obey me. And after two years, said, Joe, take him back. For they that sought the life of this child are now dead. It's revelation. May I ask you this nice, simple question? There were wise men who came to Herod. What did I say they were? Wise men. One more time. What were they? Wise. So how come the wise men were hoodwinked by Herod? He told them, search diligently and find out and bring me word so that I'll also come and worship him. If they were ultimately wise, they would have known he was lying. I'm saying that there are realms in life that do not make sense but are perfectly supernatural and spiritual. It's like everybody thinks you are going backwards until the floods came and Noah was smiling and said, I told you, and took a selfie and said, I told you. <laughs> he was right. So in the morning, water came. And they were like, you mean water came from under the ground? How did that happen? I believe it's not so much that water was under the ground. And I know there's a water table. But it is like how those fishermen told Jesus, we have toiled all night. We are the fishermen. You are the carpenter. We deal with water. You deal with wood. And he said, just listen to what I'm saying. And when he said that, it's like he sent a message into the water. And all the fishes said, yes, sir, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. And, you know, Peter couldn't believe it because they toiled all night. We were there. We put it this very same place. It's not the placement. It's the atmosphere that's open when heaven comes to and ladies and gentlemen, the story doesn't end there. It gets better. In the morning when the Moabites woke up and found out that the Israelite army and Jehoshaphat and the Edomites were there, they looked and they thought, oh, God had made the sun shine upon the water, that the water from their angle looked like blood. The water was red. Isn't that what we read? It was red. Had that happened before? Pharaoh, remember that in Egypt? Yeah. There are many things God can do, but they only happen when the atmosphere was open. They only happen when worship was open for God to do mighty things. And they looked at it and said, wow, we haven't even fought these guys. They've killed themselves. Look at all the blood. Let's go to the spoil and collect everything. And they walked right into an ambush. So the people that should have died didn't die. The people that thought the people who should live had died, died, and they didn't touch them. And ladies and gentlemen, halfway through that, they slaughtered the people, they captured the people, they took land as the prophecy had been spoken. And what happened after that? The king ran away, and he thought, I must fight this thing. And he fought and fought and fought and had no success. And then he remembered he had 700 men trusted special forces let me take them on board and he fought and he couldn't prevail there are realms of our work with the Lord when you will be able to tell that the victory you are having is not just you it's not just you there's divine help coming it's what preserves Israel there's divine help coming I mean it makes no sense Israel is surrounded by everybody 22 nations that can eat them up but it's just never going to happen it's never going to happen no matter what they plan, it's never going to happen. 
Not necessarily because they are right, but that's just what covenant does. God steps up and stretches his hand over. And so when this king saw that the 700 men did not prevail, he now remembered Abraham had done something. And he called his firstborn son, heir apparent, and nailed him to the wall and literally killed him. And when he killed him, the Bible says an indignation happened and Israel stopped. Now look at everything we have seen. How did it happen? It happened from a thus saith the Lord. How did the thus saith the Lord happen? It happened because an atmosphere was opened by a worshiper. Congregationally, it's great for us to be led in worship. We need it. It's not just a time filler, time killer for the world. It sets the atmosphere right. Because you know, we all come differently. Maybe you came from work in the night. Maybe I came from the club last night. People come differently, you know, but we all look good on Sundays. And so we have to rearrange the anointing level to a point where the Lord says, yes, these are my people. You know? There are people who come to church, make sure they sit next to the lady they want to marry, and they thank God for the usher that placed them there, and they're just waiting for the pastor to say, turn to the person sitting next to you and tell them, I love you with the love of the Lord. And man, it's like all kinds of things happen in church, you know? And that's also God is saying, look at these people. I want them to worship me. There are some people who come to church to collect their debts. They've been looking for you. You're not picking your phone. You're not picking, So they come and sit next to you and I got you today. You know? And then we say, let's all lift up our hands and worship. Let's all pray. We never pray together. We never pray. Some are saying, Lord, forgive me for my sins of yesterday. Lord, I love that man. Father, I need my visa. As I go, look, guys, I need to answer one prayer so that the church can grow. But his God, he stretches out his hands. So whenever you are worshiping, keep that in mind. And let me back one step. Make sure you are a worshiper. So this morning I come to ask you a question. Are you ready to create the atmosphere for your next move. Because it's there. That word was in heaven. Jeho um, Elisha had to pull it down. But he needed the participation of a worshiper who was not going to have to give an excuse that I'm watching the Super Bowl. Because you see how many things could go wrong. And sometimes it's also the extra five minutes, the extra ten minutes. I'm lost without you. I'm desperate for you. Oh, Lord. You know, and when that happens to me without error, you know, I am 87 kilograms heavy. I have it all together. I have two feet that function well. And I hold the microphone like this and I am worshiping the Lord. And when I open my eyes, sometimes I find I am right there where Mr. Ashong is. That's like, how did I get there? Who teleported me? Because when you are lost in his presence, if he can move you, he can answer your prayer. If he can move you, he can touch situations. The key question is, are you prepared? Am I prepared? As a church, are we prepared? Are we positioned for the next level? This is one example. There are many in the Bible. And there are many 
in our lives. There are things that the Lord can tell you. There are deliverances that can take place next Sunday for Mother's Day. Some people who have not seen their mothers for 15 years and there's just no way of finding them. They could just walk right into church sitting next to their mom. You say, what are the odds? The odds are out of this world except when you consider Jesus. Except when you consider the hand of God that he can pick her and put her all the way next to mama and reconcile them and fuse the pains of 15 years faster than Dr. Phil can. The hand of the Lord. Are you prepared for it? Are you prepared to create? It's all about the atmosphere. So this morning we'll worship with Pastor Rick's permission. Two or three songs. Whatever that need is. Can you over and beyond the awesome worship we had I record worship a lot because I love it. Over and beyond that, just to practice the presence of God for your life. That when you are in the bathroom and the thing is overwhelming, you know, you came down and there are brown envelopes waiting for you. And when you see the brown envelopes, you don't even want to open them. You know exactly what, you can read them without seeing them. You know what's inside there. And the pains of it. And the, 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 the emotional tortures of it. Yes, but you can turn it all up to heaven in worship. And somewhere along that worship, you will hear, Thus saith the Lord. Do this. Do that. Take this. Stop that. Do that. And suddenly, it all would go on. It was last August, as I end, a preacher had come to our church to preach. And... Um, we brought an honorarium for the preacher. My wife and I, the preacher is from here, so we came with the honorarium basically two months after they preached. It's like, that's too late. But listen to this. On the very day, we prayed over the offering and we came down and said to the pastor, this is from the church in the Gambia. You know, God bless you. And um, they said they really didn't want to take it. And the Holy Spirit said, just put it on the stool and leave it there. It's so hard day. It was the day prior to a major event being held at the Lincoln Center. The event's insurance alone was a million dollars. And by that day, they needed something to be paid by 6 p.m. And in their account, they didn't have that money. And the Holy Spirit said to this preacher, look at that envelope from the Gambia. And they opened the envelope and the exact amount from eight hours across the air at that time, at that time, not a day later, it came. And it don't come in a bank draft. It didn't come in a check. It came in cash. So they went straight to a TD bank or one of the banks here, paid it, and it lodged into that account 5.59, Sister Kim, 5.59 p.m. because the deadline was 6 o'clock. Now, did we know that was happening? No. Could we have used the money maybe to pay Uber? You know, so many things. Maybe she, the lady could have followed her flesh and said, no, you know, your church needs this more than I need this because sometimes maybe we want to give more. You know, there are these dynamics that you can only know when you look up to God and open an atmosphere of worship. Can we do that tonight, this morning? Three minutes, four minutes, and just worship the Lord? and turn it unto him.
and see what he will do for us. Can we do that? All right.
to land. Hallelujah. This morning I want you to understand the prophet didn't prophesy until the minstrel played. And he didn't prophesy until the atmosphere changed. The atmosphere has changed this morning. The heaven is open and I want you to prophesy to the giants in your life. I want you to prophesy to the to lack. I want you to prophesy to those relationships that are fragmented that only God can repair. I want you to prophesy over the lives of the, your loved ones who are outside of a, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to call them I want you to call them into the kingdom this morning. The atmosphere has changed as Pastor Forbes continues to play. Speak to your situation this morning. Speak in faith. Decree by the power of the living God who resides in you by the Holy Spirit. The changes that you need to see. Just take time to do that. <laughs> 